told me the other day you hate yourself in anxiety depressed the mess to death you'd open up and welcome wide with a smile Told you it's clinical, but I seem so critical. I wish I could convince the thoughts that you keep on believing were a lie. There you go, feeling so broken and alone. You walk with your head held so Someday that you are beautiful anyway Look in the mirror, please try to see it clearer How crazy and amazing you are and then let it Scientific. Trust me, no, I get it, but I won't agree when you tell me you don't deserve a life. There you go. Someday that you are beautiful anyway Take a second and breathe in, singing, I'm here for a reason. Raise your hands, take a second and breathe in, singing, hallelujah, I'm known in love. Raise your hands, take a second and breathe in. Singing, I'm here for a reason. Raise your hands. Take a second and breathe in. Singing, hallelujah, I'm known in love. Raise your hands. Take a second and breathe in.
That's a good song. <laughs> That's a good lyrics. I can tell you that right now. Y'all ever feel that in your life? Like, why am I even here? And the truth is, some of us in the room, we've asked that question in significant ways. Do I belong here? And we've been overwhelmed, and we've, we've like lived out those lyrics, and somehow you find yourself like still here anyway in the middle of it. And the lyrics from that, that song, they really do speak to the heart of our kind of topic today, this idea of emotional and mental exhaustion, right? That lyric that says, there you go, feeling so broken and alone. You walk with your head so held so low, right? You want to give in most of the days, and that's okay. Like, sometimes we don't think it's okay to feel that way. There's something wrong with us, and that line that says, but I hope you see someday that you are beautiful anyway. We all kind of have that reality where the emotional pain, the emotional trauma, the emotional weariness sets into our lives. There was a, an article that Banner Health put out this past April, right, that just talked about the pain of and the difficulty of emotional exhaustion and mental exhaustion, right? And mental exhaustion is a response to thinking overload, right? We've been talking about how margin gets decreased when we overload our lives, right? Well, well, mental exhaustion is when we have to think too much. Raise your hand up nice and high if you've ever gotten to the end of your day and you just didn't have the energy to decide what to have for dinner, right? And you're just like, screw it, I'm going to bed, right? You don't, don't even get there, right? Or it's like you just sit down and you want to watch TV, but it's just like you can't even think to make that decision, right? That's mental exhaustion, right? Mental exhaustion, it's the accumulation of overload in our brain, right? The, you, you've had a day of mental high demand, lots of thinking, right? You were in stressful circumstances. So that's kind of the mental exhaustion side of it. But there's also something called emotional exhaustion, right? And emotional exhaustion is feeling overload. Do we have any feelers in the room? Raise your hand up nice and high if you're a feeler, empathetic, right? Feeling overload. Right, where we put ourselves in, and, and we're in these circumstances where, you know, we, we have to process big emotions. Like we process sadness or anxiety, some sort of loss. There's a frustration, right? There's these emotions all around us. And sometimes it's not our own. It could be the, the loss in someone else's life that we're processing, right? Many of us in the room, we think of ourselves as peacemakers following this peacemaking path of Jesus, which oftentimes takes us into very difficult spaces, and we jump in there. We want to help carry others' burdens, right? And that can weigh in on us. We might face emotional exhaustion when we have difficult situations at home or at work, and that feeling of exhaustion in our emotions can feel us just can, can get us feeling a bit lost, right? Like, I'm not sure which direction, which way is up or down, or, or we feel often separated. We separate ourselves from people when we find ourselves in a place of emotional exhaustion, or sometimes we even feel helpless. Like, what can I even do? Changes uh, in our lives can produce this 
uh, when we just start to feel overwhelmed by everything around us is kind of out of control. And when, when stress begins to accumulate in all those moments and, and we have all these challenging events in our lives that just keep coming at us one after the other, right? we get into this space of being emotionally worn out, mentally worn out. And, and, and it is true that, that mental and emotional exhaustion, that they're related, right? They kind of go hand in hand. When we start to feel mental overload, it affects our emotions. When we start to feel emotional overload, it will affect our ability to make those choices. And it can be really challenging to try and balance all these things in our lives. And when our mental like, state is in a, in a bad place, when we've overloaded it, right, our emotions tend to get real high. And you all have heard that statement that when emotions are high, intelligence is low, right? Y'all ever live that one? Find yourself like all worked up and you're like, what am I even worked up about? The kick the dog syndrome, you know? The, the space where we're frustrated or where we're overwhelmed, we can't actually do anything about it, so we take it out somewhere else, right? And to compound the problem, like a compounding fracture in our souls, is that many of us grew up in a spiritual tradition that unintentionally heaped shame on us when we felt this way. When we felt overloaded, when we felt like we couldn't go on, when we felt like, what is this life all about? When we felt frustrated, when we couldn't make a decision, right? Because we were told, oh, you just need to pray more. Just got to have more faith. Right? The joy of the Lord is your strength. There's a Bible verse for that. Right? And unknowingly, it just produced all kinds of shame. And we just thought, oh, I don't have enough faith. There's something wrong with me. Like, I shouldn't feel this way. I have Jesus. That should make me happy all the time. Why, why, why am I not living as an overcomer? That was one of my favorite lines. Oh, you're an overcomer. And then you like go to work and you're like, I'm an underwhelmer. <laughs> what is going on? And so even in like the space of like soul care, like we, we were giving these messages all the time. But in reality, we were just ignoring our limits. <laughs> we were just kind of ignoring the way we're made. And we didn't need more faith necessarily. We just needed margins. We need rest. Because here's the deal. If we don't kind of get the emo emotional and mental rest that we need and taking care of, it all ends in burnout. That's where it ends. Right? And, and, and the truth is, no matter how much you love Jesus, no matter how much you love your neighbor, you are going to burn out if we don't understand, like, when I start to feel this way, how do I honor it? How do I recognize it? This space of burnout is, and then when burnout hits in, oh, forget it. Then it's like we walk away. We start to isolate. 2013, there was an article in Psychology Today that talked about burnout, and it said burnout is a state of chronic stress that leads to exhaustion and detachment and feelings of ineffectiveness. Are we allowed to talk about that stuff in the Western church world? <laughs> like, I don't even know if you're allowed to do that because Jesus is alive, right? I mean, because Easter's coming. You know, Good Friday is there, but Easter's coming. Like, we don't, <laughs> it's like super cool. Like, wait a second, I thought I was at church. Like, good. There's physical symptoms to, the, to burnout, right? chronic fatigue, insomnia. We start to detach ourselves, become more pessimistic, self-isolation, right? And the thing that drives us through oftentimes the reality of our emotional strain, the reality of our mental strain, right? We've been talking about sacred objects that we desire. 
And the desire for that sacred object, because we think it will make us whole, pushes us through what we could say are barriers or pushes us through restrictions, right? Pushes us through the prohibition of something that keeps us from the sacred object. So we put onto this idea, this thing, whatever it is, that will find wholeness. Well, here's the sacred object that drives us, that we desire, that will push us beyond our emotional and our mental capacity, and that is success. Like there's some of us in the room that we are just driven and we believe that success will make us whole. Success in the eyes of the world, success in the eyes of my father, success in the eyes of my brother or sister who does so well in life. So if I can just be successful, and the barrier, right, the prohibition, right, if we look at the Jesus story and there's the idea of the temple curtain being torn open and then you kind of see back into that holy of holies for those of you that are familiar with that and like there's, there's nothing back there, right? We break through the barrier to realize it can't actually bring us what we desperately want. We've just kind of pushed and pushed and pushed. And so the substitute object for the success, right, that we don't feel like we can have is like, well, just don't admit it. Don't admit that we're in pain. Don't admit that we're overwhelmed. Don't ask for help, right? We just push and we push and we push. There's a great article uh, by a psychologist, Dr. Sherry Borg, and, and she wrote this on the tall tale signs of burnout. And she talked about high achievers, right? I don't know what the Enneagram number is. I'm not an Enneagram pro, you know, but like that or even like what's the ERJT1 or the Myers-Briggs, right? That's what it is, right? Like, I don't know what the number is. I don't know what the letter combination is, but it's that like high achieving kind of like low self-esteem model that like describes most pastors, right? <laughs> right, that idea of high achievers, that high achievers are often, they're so passionate about what they do because want success, right? They tend to ignore the fact that they're working exceptionally long hours, taking on exceptionally heavy workloads, putting enormous pressure on themselves to excel, all of which makes them ripe for burnout. And it doesn't have to be like your work environment. It could be a success in your home. It could be a success as a, as a spouse, as a parent. And it drives and drives and drives us into a space where we just feel like, I have to do it on my own. I've got to show everybody success. But here's the thing. Jesus offers us some really powerful wisdom on this. Jesus offers us something that you would never know that Jesus offered if you really took a, a glimpse at the kind of way in which in church world we talk about you always have to be up and you always have to just be bubbling. When everybody asks you, how are you doing? You're supposed to say, I'm alive in Christ or whatever the churchy language is. I don't know, right? You're just supposed to say, I'm saved. I have no idea what the word is, but it's just like we're supposed to be up. But here's what Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty-eight. Jesus just looks out to the crowd and he says, Come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you more faith so that you never feel that way again. <laughs> because you just aren't serving me enough. <laughs> Come on, people. That's not what Jesus says. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary. And you're carrying heavy burdens. And I will give you, for those of you that know the verse, rest. I'll give you rest. Come on, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Now, yoke was like a, a teaching. A, 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 to talk about a, a rabbi talking about a yoke would be like that rabbi's way of seeing the world, that rabbi's way of understanding life, that rabbi's way of interacting with God and the Torah. 
And so he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart. Oh, man. I'm gentle and I'm humble in heart. And he says, a second time, you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I love that Jesus honored, he honored people's exhaustion. He didn't gloss over it. He didn't say, come on, suck it up, buttercup. What in the world? There's not even a word for buttercup in Greek or Aramaic, so he couldn't have said that, you know. Maybe an equivalent, I don't know. I have to look that one up. I love that when Jesus would be with those that are in that most vulnerable place of emotional and mental overload, he said, come to me if you're weary and heavy burdened. He didn't, he didn't try to dance around the weariness. He knew that his people were exhausted from economic oppression. He knew that his people were exhausted from religious oppression. He knew that his people lived in an occupied territory, and they had lived in that occupied territory for centuries, and they were in between superpowers, and it was just the latest and greatest superpower ruling over them. He knew that, and he didn't dismiss the pain. He didn't dismiss it and say, oh, come on. No, he just said, come on. Let's just honor that, and he held space for it. And I love that Jesus, in the space that he held for it, it was gentle and it was humble. Like when Jesus says, you can come to me because I have a gentle and humble spirit, I have a gentle and humble heart, what he's saying is, I'm going to make space to unpack the pain. That I'm not going to shame you, I'm not going to tell you you shouldn't feel this way, I'm not going to dishonor you, I'm not going to tell you that you need to just follow the law better. No, no, no. You just come to me because I'm going to be gentle with you and I'm going to be humble with you. And I think that's something that we could all learn, especially in, in this thing called church world. That part of the reality and the existence of life is disappointment and pain and hurt. And we're so triumphant in the way in which we talk about Jesus and the way in which we talk about faith oftentimes. We neglect the real truth of the pain and the horror of this life. We neglect that because we think, well, I just don't have to. No, Jesus said, come on, I'm gentle. Let's talk. Let's unpack the pain. Right? Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart. And I love Jesus' answer. Right? What's the answer to the pain? What's the answer to the overload? What's the answer to the, the weariness and the heavy burden that we carry Jesus knew that it all started with rest. That the path of healing, the path of regaining strength, the path of navigating it was rest. He said it twice. He said, I'll give you rest. And then he said, you'll find rest for your, what's the word if you know? For your souls. For your souls. In some ways, the Bible language of soul, like this, I mean, people argue about this all the time. I mean, you've got to have something to get your PhD in, right? So let's talk about the difference between spirit and soul and emotion and mind. and me- I, I get it, right? But if we wanted to just be a simpleton like me, like we can think of the soul as all those parts of us that are very real, they are very present in our lives, and they are intertwined, but they are distinct from our physical realities. That's the way I tend to think of it, right? It's all the goop and emotion and all that stuff that is interrelated, that affects our physical, like the materialist side of who we are. But it's different. And I love that 
that Jesus said, hey, here's the deal. Like, I can't change your physical reality. Whoa, whoa. Like, that's something you don't hear all the time, like somebody saying Jesus couldn't. But he couldn't. Jesus couldn't change the occupation of Rome. In Jerusalem, he couldn't do that. He couldn't fix the economic pain that was happening. He couldn't fix the frustration that the fishermen were having as the Sea of Galilee was being, you know, turned into a place of commerce and Rome was coming in and moving the capital city onto the coast and they were having to pay more and more taxes. He couldn't do anything about land being gobbled up by big, 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 like, land conglomerates at the time and, and people being pushed off of their own small... He couldn't do anything about that. He just couldn't change that reality. But what he could offer was a better way of seeing and interacting with this world. He could offer a different value system. He could offer a way of success that's not based on the opinion of others, that's not based on climbing the ladder that the world tells us we have to climb, whether it's with our family or our marriage or as a parent or at work, right? When he says, take my yoke, right, what is he giving? He's giving an alternate viewpoint. He's saying, I have an alternative way of seeing success in this life. And if you'll take my yoke upon you, and if you'll learn from me, we can just find some rest. And ultimately, the yoke of Jesus, right, for a culture that had everything intertwined, like there was no separation of church and state, right? So Jesus said, well, here's the deal. Like, my yoke is this. Like, love God, love neighbor, love yourself. Like, love God, love your neighbor, love yourself. They're all intertwined. As one goes, so the other does. The way in which you love yourself is the way in which you will love God. It's the way in which you love your neighbor. The way in which you love God, your understanding of God's love for you is the way in which you'll love your neighbor, the way in which you love yourself. If you have no grace for yourself, there's a good chance that somewhere along the way you've picked up this idea that God has very little grace for you. If you have very little grace for your neighbor, you probably don't have much grace for yourself. Right? So, so it's all intertwined. And he says, here's the deal. Like, let's, let's, let's just unpack that pain now that you're feeling in this world. Yeah. There's trouble and there's trial and there's sorrows and there's pain. They're there. They're there. And we can find rest in the middle of it. So I think what's powerful is Jesus in his space that he couldn't change the physical reality. Like, like a lot of us, we come into church every week and, and you come in and you realize when you leave this place, you're going to go right back to whatever it is that you carried in here, that burden. Right? No? Did the game start already? What in the world is going on here? <laughs> Maybe just talk to the people online. So, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right, you, and here's, I know, this is the strangest thing. We knew this today, believe it or not, we knew what the topic was before we got here today. Um, and, and I'm telling you, as we watch today happen, we gather with all of our volunteers beforehand. And we usually, when we say, hey, what could we be praying for during the week? What's going on? We maybe get one or two folks that'll say something that's happened this week, one right after the other, right? And it was just this, it was like the Spirit of God was just exposing the reality of what we bring into this space. And the, uh, the thing is this, like everything that was mentioned, like everybody's walking out of here right back into that. It's like it's not going to change. The circumstance doesn't change. But there's a way of seeing and understanding and being present with God in the middle of those circumstances that can change and that brings this supernatural rest. And so what I don't want us to miss in this moment is that what Jesus offers is this non-judgmental space. 
to acknowledge, to rest, and recover from overload. That there's something about Jesus when he walked this earth that you wanted to be around him. That, he, that there, was no, there was no judgment in him. There was no, there was no anger in him. There was no disappointment in him towards you. There was only this perfect love. And there's something beautiful and something powerful about that. And that's what the Spirit of Christ, still alive, <laughs> coursing, working through us, offers that when we'll pause and we'll trust, that we can find rest for our souls and because we can start to realize, okay, it is here, it is here, it is okay that I feel this way. Sometimes we just have to give ourselves permission to feel what we're feeling, to feel exhausted. So in your everyday normal life, as we think about it, am I finding myself in emotional overload? Am I finding myself in this mental space of weariness, carrying all these burdens? A couple of things I want to encourage you with. Don't isolate. That's the natural tendency. Don't isolate. I think that's why Jesus said, come to me. Come to me. Don't go sit alone. Don't go, don't go be by yourself. Come to me. So there's a principle like don't isolate. Don't pull away from people that love you, although you want to do that. Don't do that. Run into those spaces. You know, I, I, it's one of the reasons why I actually still believe that like groups, like gatherings, small groups are, are important because they provide a space where you can come and be real if they're done well, right? I, I, I think we oftentimes in church world, we spend so much time on knowledge and information. Like we have Bible studies, and, we, and there's, there's fine. But what we really desperately need in our souls is a space that we can come when we're weary and heavy burdened and know that we care for one another, right? It's not fear. I mean, I love this. Don't get me wrong. I get jazzed up that people, a few people want to listen to me. But really what I desperately need in my life is a, a safe space of eight, nine people that know me, that are present with me in my burden and in my struggling. And that's, I think, the beauty of a group of people that just commit to do that. And we find that in lots of spaces. But just don't isolate. That's the thing, right? Another thing you can do is like, take some time and look for the cause. Look for the causes of the emotional stress. Look for the causes of the mental fatigue and do your best to remove them. Now, some you can't remove, like as much as you want to, you know, just kind of drop your kids off at daycare and not pick them up, <laughs> right? That's not a solution, right? That'll get you some time away from your children. It won't be good, all right? But when you can, right? Now, now, how do you look for that? I think prayer is a great opportunity. Like prayer is this moment where we can pause and we can look for the things that we're carrying that we just don't need to. We can kind of offload those. We can offload them into prayer. We can say, you know what, this one is in the hands of the universe. This, no matter how hard I try, no matter what I do, I really can't adjust that. I can't do that. I can't change that. Another, sometimes to like offload burdens, sometimes you just have to say no to helping other people. Holy cow, let me say that again. Sometimes you just have to say no at opportunities to help others so that you can maintain a margin in your life. And I think this is especially true of people of faith, right, who believe deeply in loving and caring and bringing peace into the world. Man, we just have to remember that at some point we have to say, I can't. And it's not simply because I can't because I can't because the calendar's full. It's I can't because if I say yes, then I have no space, no margin to rest. I have no space to be filled up 
And then what happens is now I can no longer like care for myself. I can't take care of my responsibilities. So at some point, we have to guard the margins. So we have to learn that power of saying no. Another thing we can do is practice good emotional and, and mental self-care. I don't know what that looks like for you. Self-care looks different. Some of you have cats, and you call that self-care. I have no idea why. No clue. Seems like the most annoying, frustrating, strange, fearful thing ever to just know at any given point in time this animal could come and claw you right across the face, your eyeball, <laughs> in any given moment. Like everything's fine. You're petting a cat, and then it's just it's like... <laughs> I, but hey, if that's your self-care, go for it. You know? I don't know what self-care is for you. Forbes, Forbes did an article on self-care. Imagine that. Ten ways that you can practice self-care, right? Forbes magazine. They said meditate. Meditate or deep breathe for five minutes. That's, like, that's just like talk for prayer, by the way, people. <laughs> We're talking about the same thing. Take five minutes, just breathe, pray. You know what else they said? This is rocket science stuff. Take a break when you need it. Oh, thank you, Forbes. Never, never in my life imagined that. Right? I love that they don't even try and disguise it with big words. They're just like, take a break when you need it. Right? This is a good one. Choose who you spend time with. Right? There is the reality that in your life, uh, there are things that you can't choose who you spend. You go to work, you have to work with those people. Right? But there is, you have these other moments where I have to choose who you spend time with, the people that fill you up. I love this one, laugh heartily at least once a day, right? Laugh heartily at least once a day. And you know what they said? They said, learn to say no. There's another one. Learn to say no. It's so hard. Caring, loving, generous people like you don't want to say no. I understand it, but we just have to learn to do that. And then I just want to say this, like, in your life, when you're feeling that emotional overload, when you're feeling that mental overload, take advantage of professionals. Take advantage of mental and emotional health professionals. So all the research says, hey, listen, if you're not getting the relief you need through like self-care and taking a break, connect with a behavioral health professional. And some of the signs that you can look at and say is this, is like, have you felt this way? Like, do you feel hopeless or helpless for more than a week or two? Like, it just doesn't break. That fog doesn't lift. It's not that you need more faith. You need to talk to a professional. It's okay. That's wonderful. That's a way that you can come to Jesus, by the way. When Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary, and I don't think that we have to take that so literally that all that Jesus means, like the reason why we have this for 2,000 years is that we should just go pray to Jesus. And not, No, I think you can come to what Jesus represents, a space of loving and humility and gentleness and care. And, and Jesus works through all kinds of that space. Love works through all kinds of spaces like that. If you're not able to keep up with your responsibilities, you just start to feel overwhelmed in life. It's a good sign. Like, hey, I should talk with somebody, a professional. If you're not sleeping well, again, it's not a one night of bad sleep. You, you, you know, a week, two weeks is going on. You're not sleeping well, right? Find that conversation. Find that space. Your energy level is low. These are all signs that like, you're right at that burnout state. And here's the thing, when you and I start to put margin in our emotional and mental spaces of life, something really powerful happens, is that we really start to understand what grace is. Because grace for others grows in our emotional and mental margins. Like when we're not pushed to the max emotionally or mentally, we have space for others that we can forgive. We have space to let it go, 
right? We have space to kind of like offer this beauty of grace. And grace really for ourselves allows us to have the margin. So it's directly related, right? The more grace you give yourself that it's okay to say no. I mean, you don't say no to your pastor. I should, I should have prefaced that, <laughs> right? Like you don't want to do, no. You have the grace to say no. You're kind of learning, like, I don't have to do everything. I don't have to say, like, like, like God's love is not based on my performance and my ability to say yes all the time. Sometimes you have to say no so you can say your best yes to be present. And so grace is what really flourishes, grace for ourselves and grace for one another. So as we kind of wrap up our time this morning, I want to just give you the opportunity to take a breath, Finish filling out that connect card, whatever it might be, your offering. We're going to drop those in the orange kiosk today as we leave. We're not going to walk around and gather baskets or anything today. But what is it that God's inviting you into? Maybe God's just inviting you to pause, <laughs> to just hit the pause button and reflect on the amount of exhaustion you might currently be feeling. Like, am I just exhausted? You know, yesterday, I, I'm ashamed to say this, but yesterday was probably the first day in about four weeks that I just didn't have anything. And we were supposed to, they're in the room, so I'm going to say this, and I probably will get in trouble, but we were supposed to have dinner with some people last night, and something happened, and they couldn't, and they had to cancel. And like inside of my heart, I was like, oh, thank God. Not that something happened, but that like I didn't have to leave the house, you know? And like you don't realize it until you hit the pause button sometimes that like, oh my goodness, I have just, I've just moved past what is healthy. I've just moved past. I've just tried to take on the world. I've tried to be the one who can fix everything, whatever it might be. So maybe this is just a moment to do a little personal self-reflection and go, okay, am I exhausted emotionally? Am I being short with the people that I love? Have I seen the people that I love? <laughs> Are the people I love avoiding me? <laughs> Maybe God's inviting you to just take a break. Maybe God's inviting you to take a break and just go, hey, you know what? Like, schedule a day off. Schedule a vacation. Fine, I can't afford a vacation. Yeah, I get it. Do a staycation. Just chill out. A couple of days. An afternoon. Right? And maybe that song resonated with you a lot. Like, like this voice inside of you that says, I don't know that I should even be on this planet. Maybe that's where you are. And maybe God's inviting you to talk with a professional. Maybe God's whispering, saying, hey, I, let me work through the people that have leaned into this, that understand and can help and know what might be going on in your heart. Maybe that's what God's inviting you into. I think the best part of this song is this little bridge. It's probably the only part that anybody can sing along with. It says, raise your hands and take a moment and breathe in. I'm known and loved. Raise your hands. Take a second and breathe in. I'm here for a reason. Sometimes we have to say that. We have to know that. So I'm going to invite you, if you are able to and you'd like to, to stand up. For our blessing today, I have a, I have a poem I'd like to read for you uh, from a poet named Padraig Otwama. Padraig is an Irish poet.
who understands the pain of kind of church and religious trauma significantly. It's very interesting. And he has this collection of poems called Readings from the Book of Exile. And so if you would humor me for our blessing, I'll read this, and then they're going to reprise that song, and we'll get out of here. But I just wonder if you'd just kind of raise your hands and receive this poem as a blessing and this song as part of that blessing as well. Just close your eyes and take a nice deep breath before I read this. I'm not sure how many counts you're supposed to breathe in or breathe out. I'm not a professional in that way, but just take a breath. This poem's called Tis the Gift. Tis the gift to be gentle with yourself at the end of a day when you've given, of a day when you're spent. To recreate, to breathe, and to rest, and to treat your own self as your own welcome guest. When hospitality's in place, you'll be kinder to yourself and less inclined to haste. You'll turn and you'll fall and you'll find that you'll say, welcome to the night and welcome to the day.